Reverend Paul and Martha West with your co-host Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Uh, we, are, we do intend to have Congresswoman Maxine Waters on, but however, the House called a vote and she is doing what she's supposed to do and vote, but she will join the program in progress. Uh, we have quite a few things going on. As a matter of fact, I want to take this opportunity since I have so many relatives that were born in March. Uh, today is Terry Rye Hamilton, my niece, uh, Jerry Rye's daughter. Her birthday is today. Uh, matter of fact, my brother Jerry and his son Robin had their birthday on the, uh, March 15th. And my late uh, niece, Tracy Looney, uh, had hers on the 14th. And uh, I want to say that tonight, uh, uh, there will be a, as a matter of fact, it's Monday. Uh, Congressman Bobby Scott is having a tele-town tele hall, and we'll talk more about that later. But right now, we have a distinguished gentleman, uh, Mr. Bob Armstead, who represents the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition, former president of the National Association of Minority Contractors, been keeping an eye on what's been happening in Olympia. And I know that uh, uh, letters of concern were sent to the State Attorney General Bob Ferguson and also to uh, the state auditor. So uh, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest against Bob. We appreciate it. Would you share with our listeners a little bit what the concerns were about and the responses that you got from the Attorney General and the State Auditor's Office? Uh, yes, and thanks very much for, uh, for having me, Eddie. Uh, I, I think many of your listeners have uh, heard us in the past talk about the situation with the Capital Projects Advisory Review Board, uh, referred to as CBARB. Uh, they are a state board that has been in existence for over 15 years. Uh, they are responsible for authorizing alternative uh, public works uh, projects. And they annually uh, approve projects in excess of billions of dollars. Uh, we have two primary concerns. Uh, one is in the area of inclusion, which is of particular interest to us and most of your audience. But the other is accountability, general accountability, uh, that should be of interest to every citizen uh, and resident of the, uh, the state of Washington. For an excess of 15 years, CBARB has not uh, provided data, reports, or information to confirm and justify uh, their existence and the use of these alternative uh, processes. For at least the last 10-plus years, we have been attending CBARF meetings and asking them initially and primarily uh, for them to make efforts to cause more inclusion on public works projects in the, uh, the state of Washington. As most of your audience is probably aware, uh, the state went from double digits up to 20% of uh, participation of minority and women-owned firms uh, prior to I-200 down to 1%, you know, by... Uh, uh, oh, 2011. Uh, and we have CRC and several other community-based organizations have been working uh, with the state attempting to put in place processes that would at least 
bring that participation level back to where it was prior to, uh, to I-200. And one of those efforts has been with CBAR because they control such a large dollar amount of uh, construction process, construction contracting uh, through the uh, their alternative uh, authorization. And we have made minimal progress, but we have made some progress. Uh, we have requested this year, and this directly relates to the letters you were referring to, requested that the state legislature and the governor's office uh, assist us in our efforts. Uh, we have written letters to the state legislature, uh, to the governor's office, to the attorney, attorney general's office, to the state auditor's office, and now to the uh, State uh, Executive Ethics Board, and we have only gotten one response after months of writing letters, and that was from the state auditor uh, informing us that they did not handle ethics matter. They referred us to the uh, Executive Ethics Board, and we forwarded our request to the Ethics Board along with the uh, the response from the state auditor's office suggesting that we do so. Uh, we really need for everyone in your audience to contact their legislate state legislatures, both in the House and the Senate, uh, the Attorney General's office, the state auditor's office, and the state ethics board, because one of our contentions in the letters that we have been forwarding is that there are severe ethics violations uh, occurring uh, at CBARB. Uh, very briefly, CBARB consists of those organizations and agencies and entities that are involved in uh, the public works process. And that includes contractors, the agencies that, that let these contracts, uh, labor, uh, education, and others. And it appears to us, and we want uh, our concern to either be confirmed or denied, that the individuals that are on the board are there primarily to advance the interests of the agency or organization that they represent, as opposed to being there to represent uh, the residents of the uh, state of Washington. So we very much want to have someone to take a look at that. But we well, it's my also... understanding that, that you uh, sent uh, letters to uh, the members of Color Caucus in the state legislature. And uh, I know yes, that, we did. I know that and they've been engaged with uh, conducting their business. Have you got any responses from any of the members of the, of the members of color caucus that you sent the, the letter? Uh, unfortunately, not Eddie, uh, and that that that's a huge disappointment uh, because they have each expressed an interest uh, in increasing the inclusion of minorities and women in employment uh, and in contracting. And this is one area where they could have uh, an immediate impact and effect. So we're hoping that your audience will also contact 
the member of uh, Color Caucus and and ask why they have not uh, responded to our request for assistance, or at least acknowledge our request and give us a reason for why they should not or cannot. Uh, at, at this point, it would be very helpful if uh, members of the audience would contact uh, Bob Ferguson. Uh, he can be reached at area code 360. The number is 753-6200. And that's Attorney General Bob Ferguson. Uh, and then the uh, state what, auditor. Bob, what would you want? What would you want the people calling? What, what are they calling? What are they supposed to tell him when they call him? They are calling uh, and requesting. We are requesting that they call to request that the attorney general will look into the concerns that we've expressed in the letter to him, and and also to acknowledge back to us that they have uh, received our request uh, and to either state uh, their reasons for um, proceeding at this slow pace or not proceeding or, you know, whatever the situation might be. At this point, they have not even acknowledged um, receipt of our request. Okay, let me see if my co-host Haywood Evans has a question or comment for you, Bob. Sure. Hey Bob, you know, first of all, thank you for all the hard work that you're doing. Now, for me, uh, the Bob Ferguson, he's supposed to have a division of civil rights, and they haven't even responded to you? Uh, no one from the attorney general's office has responded. And so the governor, governor's been talking all this stuff about inclusion and diversity, and nobody responded from his office? Uh, our first letter went to the governor's office. To the address to the governor, and that was oh that preceded the letter to the attorney general by at least a month. And no, we have not received any uh, response back from the governor or the governor's office. Now, now what about the executive uh, ethics board? Do they what did they say? Um, and it. I, I, I back it up. We, we contacted them as a result of the suggestion from the, the state auditor. Uh, and in our correspondence to them, we included that reference from the state auditor so they would see that we're not just contacting them out of the blue. But also what we did was to go to the uh, State Ethics Board website so that we could familiarize ourselves with their process so we would know how to contact them and what information to provide for them. They basically use a pre-printed form. That form is expressly designed for state employees and 90% of the, the questions and information that's being requested on the form we do not have because we're not state employees. And we stated this in our letter to the ethics board so that they would know. The response that we got back from them was to fill out the form. And I have made several calls to them wanting to explain the situation so they can give us an alternative process or just tell us that they cannot or, or, or will not do it. 
and they have not responded back. You know, Bob, it sounds like you made the case. They're sticking everything in process. And it sounds like these elected officials are hoping that it just slides under the table if it's ignored for so long. I got some concerns. What would you like our listenership to do? And I know you said contact our elected officials, but is there anything more that we can do? Because a lot of them, like Eddie was referring to earlier, they're in session. What can we do really to bring to shed some serious light on this issue? This is very serious. We we need to have some elected official or some state agency look into the actions at CBAR. And as you stated, it's a very serious situation, but it's a very time-sensitive situation as well. What CBARB has historically done as we have pursued this with them is to delay, 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 and then say, well, it's too late. They are in the process now of a reauthorization. And to tell you how, how bold and arrogant they are, the way the RCW is currently uh, written, they are required to go through reauthorization every three years. Part of their request in this reauthorization is that that three-year period be extended to 10 years. So they, they've not done anything for 15-plus years to, uh, to demonstrate to the legislature or the governor's office or the citizens of Washington that their processes are uh, beneficial to the state of Washington by being uh, on schedule, within budget, and the processes are benefiting uh, all citizens, including uh, minority and women contractors, as well as the prime contractors that they're uh, very readily support. Bob, so now they vote. want to extend that from three years to 10 years so they don't even have to report. Yeah, Bob? Yes. I want to thank you for, for stepping up to the plate and the work you're doing. Well, we are out of time. What I want you to do is we need people to call uh, Bob Ferguson, the uh, state attorney general. And Bob, would you please give that number one more time and let people know what they need to uh, uh, let inform the attorney general of our concerns. What issue do you want them to raise with the attorney general? Uh, I, I want them to ask the attorney general to respond to the request from CRC for an investigation. The, civil rights the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition? Yes. Okay. And the number? Uh, area code 360. The number is 753-6200. Okay. We'll have Stephanie put uh, that letter uh, on the Urban Forum uh, Northwest Facebook and website page. So, Bob, thank you very much for, for your time. We appreciate all the work you're doing, brother. You are worthy to be praised because somebody needs to fight the battle for us. We, uh, we know that after the citizens of the United States slaves, our businesses are doing very, very little in construction and any every other area. So hopefully we can get the members of Color Caucus to look at that too, to make sure we're included with everyone else. So thank you very much, Bob. So Eric, long we take a break. Okay, why don't we take a break and come back uh, after uh, the break with our next guest. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion 
and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hello, my name is Hayward Evans, co-convener of the Martin Luther King Jr. Commemoration Committee, MLKCC. Annually, we present programs that highlight Reverend Dr. King and local civil rights leaders that made significant contributions to better our community. Easter Sunday, April 4th, is the 53rd anniversary of the assassination of Reverend Dr. King. Due to the COVID-19, this year's program will be live-streamed on the SeattleMLKCC.org website. There will be music, and four local civil rights leaders will receive their awards. Again, that's Sunday, April 4th, 5 o'clock, 53rd anniversary of the assassination of Dr. King. For more information, call 206-778-6357. That's 206-778-6357. Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk 1150. Uh, Before we go to our guests, I want to thank our sponsors and supporters, uh, Sound Transit's uh, Civil Rights and Labor Office with Leslie Jones, Port of Seattle, uh, Diversity Contracting Office with Mian Rice, the City of Seattle's Personal Construction Services Office with Lindsay Alzir, Concourse Concessions, my brother David Fukuhara out of the out of the Concourse A at the airport. So we, we got to talk to the Support Commission to make sure those guys don't get swept under. Them and SeaTac Bar Group LLC, Jerry Whitson, and Rod O'Neill, because the, the traffic is really down 90% on Concourse A. So we got to do something to help them brothers and other people out there who are suffering. But my next guest wears so many hats, it's not funny. Uh, we're talking about Ed Prince, Executive Director of the Commission on African-American Affairs for Washington State, a member of the Renton City Council, recently elected president of the Sound Cities Association. And what am I leaving out, Ed? Sound Transit Board member. Uh, he's on I the Sound Transit Board. Board. I think you got them all, Eddie. I think you got them all. And one thing about the Sound Transit Board now do they have three blacks on the board now? You, the chairman, Kent Kill, and uh, Tacoma Mary Victoria Woodards, is that correct? That is correct, yes, the three of us. Okay, so I mean, I know they've had two before, but uh, <clears throat> so I tell you what, I, I, I want to start uh, right now, the legislature's in session, and I'd like to know uh, what is important and what is uh, the Commission on African American Affairs working on in terms of legislation uh, during this session. 
Uh, Eddie, we have been really focusing on all the police accountability bills that have been in the legislative session or the legislature this session. Um, we've worked uh, closely with uh, Representative Jesse Johnson on his bills, uh, especially House Bill 1054. Um, we've worked really closely with uh, Representative Enton on her bill, uh, 1267. I believe that's the number. I have too many bill numbers in my head uh, that deals with independent investigations. So we've really been focused on we've been focused on all of the police accountability stuff, and then just focus as an agency on making sure that the information on COVID vaccine is making it out into the community. And uh, any specific legislation that uh, we just heard from Bob Armstead with the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition a minute ago with the issues with the Capital Project Review Board called referred to as CPARB. Yeah. Uh, there's been, uh, I guess, uh, the, there's a letter, I don't know if you got a copy from the Civil Rights Coalition, concerned with accountability. Uh, and uh, I guess they've been renewed every three years now. They're going for a 10-year renewal. And I know that... Uh, uh, contractors that are uh, African Americans, uh, uh, Africans, uh, African Africans of descendants of the United States enslaved, are not doing real well at all. So I'm just really concerned about all the changes being made, and we're not even at the table, let alone being on the playing field. Yeah, um, I had not heard about the CPARP thing, but that is something I'm absolutely interested in getting more information in and looking into. Uh, did he have? Is that? Uh, did he have a bill number for that? Oh, you know what? Uh, it's I think it was fifty three. It was a uh, fifty three oh five. I know, I, but I'll, I'll get that to you. I'll get that to All you. Right. But he he's gone to uh, the Civil Rights Coalition has gone to the Attorney General. Uh, the auditor referred them to the state auditor referred them to some ethics uh, board. But uh, the issues are with well, no accountability. It seems to me the Attorney General should look at that. But you know, uh, I'll leave that up to Attorney General Ferguson. But we are encouraging our listeners and others uh, who seek equality to have the attorney general take a closer look at that, because we're talking about billions of dollars being approved every year. And where do we fit in? And we know right now uh, on, on this Tunnel Partners project, four black contractors went out of business, didn't get a dime, and WashDOT signed off a conciliation agreement uh, with uh, USDOT. And... We're going to see about undoing that conciliation agreement. And uh, mm -hmm. Washington, I got to be right. Do you ever get information from the Washington State Department of Transportation? Um, I do. I, you know, one of, the, one of the drawbacks of COVID has been that we were meeting with Secretary Millar regularly, and we've not done it as much due to COVID. But I think it's, I mean, I obviously see him frequently since we're on the Sound Transit Board together. But I think it might be time for us to have another uh, sit down with him to get more information on what's going on. Well, it would be really good uh, for a person in uh, a uh, position of authority like yourself to get a a list of uh, the, uh, the the number of uh, African Americans that went broke on the Tunnel Partners project, mm -hmm. uh, what happened to them, and also find out because we also understand now that uh, there were four white female firms that had a hundred trucks. And they were getting a bulk of all the federal money, over 80%. And they were waived out of the program because one of the company had debt over $200 million. Uh, Switch gave the company to her ex-husband. And then they, they got reinstated in the program. 
And uh, so, you know, we have a whole bunch of issues and I'm, I'm taking this to Washington, D.C. as well, because we have a new administration and they promise to be equitable and fair uh -huh. and inclusive and inclusive just on me and all white women on the DVE program. And as far as we're concerned, and I've talked to several members of the Congressional Black Caucus about it, we need a designation, a federal designation for African descendants of the United States enslaved with a department in every federal agency, locally and regionally, uh, so that we can make sure we participate. When you lump a group of people that's been here 400 years in with everybody else, and we know what the racism like, and a lot of other people are starting to see it right now, uh, and, and the economic racism is a killer, and it's been happening for far too long, and we've died in every war, built the joint for free, as my daughter Angela would say, we built this joint for free, and everything was promised us has been rescinded. Just thinking we would have got the 40 acres on a mule uh, in 1865. And just thinking we would have had the 2,000 uh, 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 local and appointed officials uh, down south and didn't have uh, the Ku Klux Klan turn loose and uh, did, did the squirrel urge policy, ran black folks off their land. Uh, just yeah. thinking Black Wall Street would have survived. So, I mean, every time we have succeeded, racism has knocked us down. And unfortunately, we even have Negroes involved, like Clarence Thomas, the Supreme Court Justice. I said a mouthful. You get no disagreement from me, Eddie, at all. I, but you, while you were saying that, you did make me think of one other bill that we've really been looking at, uh, which is House Bill 1078. It's the voter eligibility felony bill uh, that restores the voting rights for anyone convicted of a felony but outside of DOC confinement. Um, it's over, it passed the House, it's over in the state Senate now. Uh, so we've just been, you know, tracking bills and, and talking to agencies. And like I said, we had a meeting with Dr. Shaw from the Department of Health last week to talk about COVID response for the African American community. Uh, so we're just trying to, you know, do as much as we can in my little tiny two person agency. Well, you had a lot of, you had, you have you have a lot of power, sir. <laughs> I want to see if uh, Hayward has a question or a comment. You know, Ed, thank you, thank you for being here with us. Please accountability. The bills that you mentioned, do you feel they're going to pass? Um, you know, uh, like uh, Representative Johnson's bill, ten fifty four, passed out of the House. Um, I'd be shocked if it didn't make it out of the Senate and make it to the governor's. Uh, death for signature, um, and Representative Intimate's bill, um, I'd be shocked if that didn't make it out either. Um, I, I, I would just be shocked. But, I mean, especially Representative Intimate's bill, which is a, which is governor request legislation. Okay, well, you know, the rubber meets the road with the money. What's being done to make sure that money's going to the African-American descendants of the enslaved? Is anything being done to ensure that we have contracting opportunities? Because you know we have it. Um, as far as legislation that I've seen, I've not seen anything in particular. Uh, but one of the things that I, uh, I've talked to, so you know we have nine black members in the legislature this year, uh, yes. the most that we've ever had. And one of the things that I have talked to all of them about is getting together in the interim and figuring out what we can do on this issue. Let's see what we can do. What if there's any any legislation that we can pass? 
I know we tried to get the I-200 repeal bill this session. It didn't happen. So I'm hoping that we can. Why didn't the governor do an executive request? Do you hear any scuttlebutt on that? I know he's your boss and all, but what happened with the executive request? I didn't didn't hear what you said, Hayward. Can you say that again? He he had mentioned uh, the governor submitting an executive request. And as far as I know, uh, st- uh, former state representative Jesse Weinberry, attorney Jesse Weinberry, is working with the governor's office, from what I understand, for, for the language for an executive order. Uh, so uh, I was just, just, you know, I don't know if if you were in, involved. Or I, informed- I've heard about that, but I've not heard anything outside okay. of preliminary stuff. Okay, I just want to want to make sure. Now let's go to one other topic, sir. Uh, all these hats. Uh, Renton City Council. What is what's going on at the Renton City Council? You know, we're getting ready to have our council retreat on Saturday, talk about our priorities for the year. Um, It's been strange serving and not being able to see each other in person, um, but that feels like it's starting to become the new normal. Um, We had our, we did our biennial budget last year where we, um, you know, put forth our priorities and we're going to have our mid-biennium adjustment this summer and one of the things that I've talked about with our mid-biennium is, A, making sure that we, we've we not increased our human services funds since the Great Recession. Uh, we've not done anything to increase our human services funds. And with COVID, it's absolutely something that's vital. Um, and I know that we've had plenty of talk also on what once we're back to hiring folks, what that's going to look like to make sure that our employee base looks like the city of Renton. Uh, city of Renton, I believe the number is 55% people of color. And so we've got to get our employee base to look more like what the city looks like. I hear you. Well, Ed Prince, uh, we, have, we have to talk about, uh, <clears throat> we have to talk about the Sound Cities Association next time, but I want to thank you for all the work you're doing. And uh, uh, I'm going to make sure that Bob Armstead gets you all that information on CPAR. Because that's something we really got to keep an eye on. Because you're not at the table, you're on the menu. So I want to thank you very much for all the hats you wear. And I look forward to talking with you again real soon. So thank you very much. All right. Take care, Eddie and Hayward. Okay. Okay, Eric, let's go ahead and take another break while we wait on Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Thank you. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, 
Link Live Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Live Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hello, my name is Hayward Evans, co-convener of the Martin Luther King Jr. Commemoration Committee, MLKCC. Annually, we present programs that highlight Reverend Dr. King and local civil rights leaders that made significant contributions to better our community. Easter Sunday, April 4th, is the 53rd anniversary of the assassination of Reverend Dr. King. Due to the COVID-19, this year's program will be live streamed on the SeattleMLKCC.org website. There will be music, and four local civil rights leaders will receive their awards. Again, that's Sunday, April 4th, 5 o'clock, 53rd anniversary of the assassination of Dr. King. For more information, call 206-778-6357. That's 206-778-6357. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Eddie Ryan, Hayward Evans back, and we finally got uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters on the line. I'm so glad that I know you've been voting and, and being an advocate, and we appreciate everything you do. And I'm just so glad that my daughter got her, Angela got her training under you to start with number one. So well, I'll be grateful for eternity for that. Fantastic. But uh, why don't you let us know? She re- now she's a leader of millennials. They all look to see what Angela is doing. So you did a great job raising a wonderful young lady. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The whole uh, state, the whole country is benefiting from Angela and her advocacy, and she's not afraid to speak up, so we love her. Well, she got it from you. <laughs> People well, don't know that she, said, compliment. she said uh, her first, uh, uh, first semester of third year of law school and an externship in your Los Angeles office. And yes, she was down there when they closed down King Drew Hospital. A friend of mine called me from the airplane saying, Man, uh, Billy Burns said, Angela's on the front page of the LA Times crying over the hospital. So anyway, <laughs> that's another story. So You know, Angela takes her advocacy seriously. She cares so much about our people, and she's not afraid, and she's got courage, and that's wonderful. Like I said, the apple does not fall far from the tree, and so you've got a wonderful daughter you should be proud of. But, yes, yeah, she did an internship with me. Uh, she was the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, she's uh, one of the uh, talking heads on MSNBC. She's sought after uh, for, you know, speaking engagements all over the country. And um, she has done a wonderful job in helping to define what progressive really is, because she's indeed a progressive person. But, you know... She and I and everybody's working in these difficult times. You know, this past year and this past four years have been extremely hard on uh, African Americans. And the President uh, Trump, uh, who was President of the United States, uh, was impeached twice. Uh, he was not convicted, uh, but he certainly uh, goes down in history as the only president having been impeached twice. And, of course, he almost destroyed this country uh, for the four years that he was in. As a matter of fact, he divided folks. He's a racist, 
Uh, he was, uh, you know, more than disrespectful to women, talked about grabbing women by their private parts. He mimicked and mocked a disabled person. He didn't care about anybody. And I want you to know that the attacks uh, that the Asians are undergoing now uh, is because the president promoted it. He promoted uh, that the pandemic started in China, that they're responsible for it, and the killings that just took place in Georgia is a direct uh, response to the president who basically talked about them and mimicked their language uh, and built up this hatred toward them. And so they're being killed, they're being beaten, and of course we need to join with them uh, because they're experiencing what we have experienced for years. And I want to tell you, I think it was Martin Luther King who talked about, you know, it may be them today, uh, you know, you today, but them tomorrow. And so I think it is important for us to form these coalitions wherever we can so that we can jointly uh, not only lead this country in a progressive manner, uh, but also ensure that we never, ever get another president who takes advantage of his power like Trump has done. Uh, you know, I'm speaking about what the, the uh, Asian population is experiencing, uh, but look what happened to us on January 6th when the insurrection took place here in this country where the Capitol was breached uh, by, uh, you know, domestic terrorists. Uh, we've gone through a lot you know, because of this president. And now we have a new president. We're coming out of it uh, because Biden came in strong uh, with the $1.9 trillion uh, response to the pandemic, which now has hit the streets uh, with people having stimulus payments, uh, with me having, you know, over almost $50 billion now in uh, rental assistance uh, with the unemployed, you know, having their unemployment benefits increased by at least $300. And the children are going to make out real well in addition to, uh, you know, upgrading the um, opportunities that they have now for support. They're going to end up getting a monthly check all the way up through December, and then we're going to try and make it permanent. When they undermined uh, welfare in this country and basically limit people's ability uh, to feed their children uh, by saying they could only be on for five years, etc. A lot of people have gone without, who are doubling up, living in chopped up apartments and buildings, not being able to have food for their children, food lines around the blocks all over the country. This was all caused uh, by not only the pandemic, but even before the pandemic, we had these problems. We had these uh, soft spots in our society where people, you know, were living on the edge, where people were sleeping in cars and the uh, homeless, you know, doubled up at night and children trying to go uh, to school from having slept in an automobile all night. And we're going to come out of this. I think Biden is on the right track. Kamala is there to cast that deciding vote when there's a uh, 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 when there's a uh, the, the the Senate and the House both both are voting uh, the same time the same vote and she can uh, undo that uh, with her vote she can overcome that and so you know uh, we've got to all understand that this is our time this is our moment given exposure. Uh, to all that's been, you know, creeping up in our society and disadvantaging us and taking back much of what we have achieved. You know, they're going after voting rights now. And uh, I think it's somewhere between 16 and 19 states are coming up with voter suppression laws. We got to fight it. 
We have got to get registered like we have never registered before. We've got to do what they did in Georgia and do it even better. Uh, because in many of our states, we are the deciding vote. If we get registered, we can get uh, we can elect people who will, you know, be representative of us and our concerns. So, uh, you know, I know I'm saying a mouthful here trying to get a lot in. We haven't talked for so long, and we're going to have to do this more often. But you know what's going on, and I know that you have been talking about it, and you've been creating the discussion and inspiring people. We've got to continue to do that, but in the final analysis, we've got to get everybody registered to vote. All of African Americans register to vote, and those who are aligned with us in order to make sure that this country never gets another Trump and never gets another uh, dominated uh, legislature who will undermine our voting rights. Well, you know what? You just keep on talking, but you really are singing right, the right song to the people that listen to this program. Uh, don't take your vote for granted. Now, Congressman Waters, in terms of any kind of legislation and stuff that you're sponsoring or sponsored in this session, uh, what do you see that is the most significant? I know the voting rights, and we also got the George Floyd uh, 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 police reform legislation. Where where do they both sit right now? Are they gonna get gerrymandered? I mean, Jerry, I mean, filibustered by by uh, uh, McConnell. Yeah, Mitch, Moscow, Mitch. Yeah. Well, they're gonna try it, I think. But you're absolutely right. Those uh, pieces of legislation are high on our agendas. We have one piece of legislation that's dealing with voter suppression and trying to federally uh, overrun the states and not allowing them uh, to get rid of mail-in ballots, not allowing them to get rid of early voting, not allowing them to uh, make it a crime to pass out water to people waiting in line to vote. All of those things, they have come up with some of the most draconian ideas in order to stop us from being powerful and influential and being able to vote. It is voter suppression at the highest level. So we have a bill on that. You're right, we have the George Floyd uh, legislation uh, dealing with, you know, the rogue lawyers, I mean, uh, police officers who would dare uh, to kill unarmed folks. Uh, and um, we're working very hard because in that legislation, we undo you know, chokeholds, uh, and we undo the police having immunity. We undo uh, no-knock laws. We undo a lot uh, that has been responsible for these police officers to get away with killing unarmed blacks in particular, black males, but black women. When you look at Breonna Taylor uh, being killed asleep in her bed, uh, by police officers who burst into her home. They did not knock. They did not announce themselves. And with George Floyd, he showed the world that he would keep his knee on his neck for almost nine minutes. But you know, the chokehold was popularized in California, in Los Angeles, by Daryl Gates, whom I took on years ago and helped to force him out of office. And so, you know, it seems as if our work is never done. It seems as if we're always you know, struggling uh, to try and prevent, you know, disaster for ourselves or to uh, erase 
of what has been done already that's damaging. But that's what we have to do, and we can never get tired of it because the moment we get tired of it and we're not doing it, you're talking about a foot on our necks, you haven't seen anything yet. But every time we rise up, the more people with courage who will look them in the eye and speak truth to so-called power and stand up to them and fight them and work at it, we can win. Uh, but as Jesse Jackson has said, our friend whom we love so very much, you know, if you fight, you can win. But if you don't fight, you'll never know whether or not you could have won. And so I'm up to that. I go to bed some nights, you know, pretty disgusted uh, with the racists right here in the Congress of the United States and the American domestic terrorists, uh, members who know uh, who QAnon is and a part of QAnon and, uh, you know, white supremacist groups right here, you know, the enemy right here in the Congress with us. And I get pretty disgusted. But a good yeah. night's huh? sleep, I wake up ready to go after go the very next, next day. day. Willing all to right. take on Waters. and whatever. And that's what we all got to do. Congressman Waters, I want to, uh, before you go, I want to introduce you to our esteemed uh, president and CEO of the Northwest African American Museum, uh, Denisha DeBartleben. And Denisha is also the national president of all the African American museums. So, Denisha, are you on the air? Hello there, Brother Eddie Wright. I am here. Okay. Wow. Uh, I just want you to say hi Thank to Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Congresswoman Waters, it is a delight to be on the line with you. Just hearing your voice gives us strength and resolve. Thank you for your leadership and the example you set and for always being on the front lines for us all. Well, you're so welcome, and I want to thank you for the role that you're playing. These museums are extraordinarily important. We get a chance to expose our creativity and our talent and to tell our history, and it's so important for our young people uh, to have access to museums and to be able uh, to not only do the tour but ask the questions and learn a lot about us. I thank you so very much for the job that you're doing, the leadership. It is so important to our culture. Thank you, Congresswoman Waters. We will continue to tell the story and do the work. Thank you so much. Well, you're so welcome. Thank you for introducing us, Eddie. Okay, Congresswoman Waters, thank you so much for all you do, and we'll stay in touch. Please do, and let's do this more often, and I'll be a little bit more settled. I won't r rush so much, okay? Well, no, you're taking care of the people's business. That's the most important thing going, ma'am. We appreciate you. You're so welcome. So, Goodbye Marcus now. Can let me know, Marcus can let me know your schedule so we can have your schedule regularly. Because, okay, you know, I'd love you, to do that. You, you were our CDC member until we got uh, Marilyn Strickland. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. That's absolutely okay. true. I'm so glad she's here. Thank you. Okay, tell the family I said hello. I will, and I will tell uh, Angela that we talked. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, Ms. CEO and President of the Northwest African American Museum, uh, let our listeners know what you have on your plate and what's coming oh, up. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brother Eddie Wright. We are so delighted to share just the exciting things that the Northwest African American Museum is up to this month. This is Women's History Month, and we just heard from one of the most powerful women voices in America today, Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Well, here in Seattle, we are continuing the work of lifting up black women and black women's leadership. We are inviting to be in conversation with us this month, the great-granddaughter of Madam C.J. Walker, Alelia Bundles, will be with Seattle in our greater region on March 28th as a part of our Descendants 
series at the Northwest African American Museum. This will be a virtual program at 3 o'clock online. Individuals can go to NAM's website to register. But it's going to be a powerful uh, Q&A conversation with Aaliyah Bundles talking about the leadership and the legacy of her great-grandmother and of black women in general. And we're excited about it. So uh, uh, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit of the people that might not know who Madam C.J. Walker was. Absolutely. Madam C.J. Walker was one of the most influential black women entrepreneurs in American history. She uh, established a a hair care line of products for black women that built uh, truly an empire of service to the people. She used her wealth to build prosperity and opportunity for African-Americans. Madam C.J. Walker was a philanthropist and an activist who uh, collaborated with Booker T. Washington and so many other uh, black leaders of her day to make life more meaningful for African-Americans. She opened up doors and she paved the way for others who came after her. And her great-granddaughter, Alilia Bundles, works in her legacy and tells her story. Alilia wrote a New York Times bestseller called On Her Own Ground, The Life and Times of Madam C.J. Walker. And a recent Netflix film was based on Miss Bundle's book. It's called Self Made and it starred Octavia Spencer. Well, we will hear directly from Alilia Bundle. She's going to be in conversation virtually at NAM on March 28th. And we're delighted to have an HBCU alumna, a friend of NAM, Brandy Mitchell, who has served for over 20 years as a celebrity makeup and hair artist, a, a business coach, a filmmaker, an entrepreneur. She's a graduate of Florida A&M University, and she will be the moderator of this conversation on the 28th. And we are partnering with the Seattle Opera to provide a musical performance in tribute to black women. Black opera star Sharice McLeod Lewis will perform um, some musical renditions for us in tribute to black women who have led the way and continue to lead the way. So this is a not-to-be-missed program. This will round out Women's History Month in a remarkable way, and it will launch us into our March program, our, our, sorry, our April programming at NAM where we will be bringing Dr. Cornell West next month virtually to Seattle to be in conversation with us in our community. And we're also going to be bringing descendants of the Tuskegee Airmen in collaboration with Comcast. We're just on the move, Brother Rye, to continue to tell the stories of our people. I want to see if my co-host Hayward Evans has any questions or comments for you. You know, I'm just so glad you're here. Have you got any word back when we're going to be able to come in the building? Hello there, Brother Herod Evans. It's so good to speak with you. <laughs> no, it's great hearing your voice, but uh, hopefully this pandemic is going to be over soon. Have you gotten any timetable or timeline when the museum might open up for people to come through? Thank you for that question. You know, we have moved everything virtual and in an outdoor platform until it is completely uh, safe as a result of this COVID um, pandemic. Are not uh, we don't yet we don't yet have a date for reopening, but we'll certainly be announcing that as soon as it's safe. 
Now, you know, we have the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee. We were going to have that art contest, but because of the pandemic, everything has been postponed and pushed out and pushed out. Uh, I really need to meet with you and see if you can help take the lead on this. The, the uh, theme was the Visions of Unity Art Contest. Does that sounds like something that NAM might be able to work with? Absolutely. Let's definitely talk. You know, this is the year, the 60th anniversary year of Dr. King's visit to Seattle. He came in 1961, and NAM is organizing a, um, a, a countywide collaborative um, planning committee to commemorate uh, Dr. King's 60th anniversary, and we'd love to be a part of um, the work that you all have been doing to keep Dr. King's legacy and memory alive here in Seattle for the young people, because we have so many young Dr. Kings walking around, our brilliant young brothers and sisters who are just uh, walking in, in his greatness and in their own greatness. And yes, let's work together to lift them up. Now, what about you from a career development? What's the next step? Because you're doing so great. I can hear it in Maxine Waters' voice, Representative Waters' voice. They're looking at snatching you maybe away, that museum in D.C. Now, you're going to stay, huh? Oh, I am here. And, you know, it was just so good to reconnect with Congresswoman Waters because we had a chance to to meet uh, in Detroit at the Charles H. Wright Museum when she was there for a speaking engagement. And it was it's just transformative being in her presence because she just has so much power and passion and love for the people and that's why she serves the way that she does and so thank you for reconnecting me with congresswoman waters today okay well lanisha want to thank you today uh we're out of time we have to have you back when we get closer to your events so we really do appreciate the work you're doing and when you uh, get close to uh, i'm going to have miss bundles on too uh, before she gets here. Wonderful. We thank you so much. Okay, then. It's been Eddie Ryan and Haywood Evans with another edition of Urban Forum Northwest. And we'll talk to you again next Thursday at 2 o'clock. Hello, my name is Hayward Evans, co-convener of the Martin Luther King Jr. Commemoration Committee, MLKCC. Annually, we present programs that highlight Reverend Dr. King and local civil rights leaders that made significant contributions to better our community. Easter Sunday, April 4th, is the 53rd anniversary of the assassination of Reverend Dr. King. Due to the COVID-19, this year's program will be live streamed on the SeattleMLKCC.org website. There will be music, and four local civil rights leaders will receive their awards. Again, that's Sunday, April 4th, 5 o'clock, 53rd anniversary of the assassination of Dr. King. For more information, call 206-778-6357. That's 206-778-6357.